Welcome to a CPA Quick Chat. My name is Eric. I'm the Communications Officer at the CPA. Normally, I tell you to go to our website at this time to check out all the resources we have available about the coronavirus and the pandemic and the mental health associated with it. But we're not going to be talking about COVID today so much as we are going to be talking about what took place in Nova Scotia over the weekend. A devastating mass shooting, the likes of which we haven't seen in Canada before. And especially in a time like this, during a pandemic, when stress was already at an all-time high. Dr. Caddy Kamkar was just named the chair of the CPA's trauma and stress section, and uh, she joins us today. Yes, so I'm Dr. Caddy Kamkar, clinical psychologist. And you're based out of Toronto, is that right? That is correct. Okay, and just named the chair of the traumatic stress section at the CPA uh, at an opportune or inopportune time, I suppose, uh, when there's a traumatic and stressful event here in Canada. Yes, so I'm uh, the new chair of the Canadian Psychological Association, the trauma sector. And obviously, there's a large trauma taking place in Nova Scotia right now. Uh, Largest mass shooting in Canada in the middle of what's already a terrible situation with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, is this the sort of thing that you've encountered before? Certainly not these things combined, but, uh, large scale shootings like this. Well, we certainly hear, um, in regards to large scale shootings, um, that we do know have occurred in Canada, but then also globally as well. And we always know that it impacts everyone, uh, whether directly or indirectly, uh, but also any trauma that might go on, uh, especially community-based. We do know, for example, in Toronto, we had the Danforth trauma. Uh, we had the um, uh, we also had the other uh, the Van Attacker trauma. Uh, we had the uh, the humbled uh, Broncos event. So all of those are very traumatic events. A lot of death, and we could feel nationally, it really impacted everyone. Certainly yesterday, I mean, right now, of course, we do know globally um, it is a trying time. It is a difficult time as a result of the COVID-19, which we have seen that everyone's life has been kind of shattered, has changed drastically. Uh, Daily routine, daily structure, concerns about employment, about finances, uh, child care, support for elderly, concern about infection for self or um, someone else getting an infection. And we already know that already COVID-19 is grief. Um, Where grief from, for example, uh, missing essentially going out, uh, you know, people say, I miss going out to grab my coffee, the newspaper, going to the office, to, of course, the grief about not being able to attend certain social events or birthdays or to restaurant to of course the other extreme which is the death of loved one the when you hear about all the tragedies in the hospitals to not being able to attend funerals so it's already very very difficult time and we hear people talking about uh, you know sadness or the grief or uh, kind of feeling down or more definitely more anxiety and then here of course uh, the devastating news that we heard in Nova Scotia yesterday, and we have felt the impact nationally, but then also we hear that we have heard it has been shared on international news as well. Um, and it has, it has, so of course, right now, even adding to already going on, when you hear of this uh, devastation uh, in this, you know, small community, 
we hear of, you know, so many people impacted. Obviously, we heard about the RCMP officer who is a mother, uh, two children. We heard around that, you know, she was very much a community-based person, like a human being, like anyone else, and going to do her work to protect the world, to protect society. is absolutely devastating. And of course, uh, the difficulty around not being able to plan for funeral, uh, to attend gathering, to even, you know, hugs. So it becomes very, very difficult because we do know as human beings, uh, we are oriented around, we are social beings. So we want to be in gatherings, we want to hug, we want to share tears together. So it becomes very, very difficult. Now, of course, when we talk about communities trauma or shootings or however means at a community scale it can also be uh you know it can also carry other devastations sometimes it could be more devastations around uh, it could be property loss it could be more finances it could be more business loss it could be uh, the sense of um, uh, maybe a lack of safety or security that could go on within the community children might be even more afraid um, so it's a lot uh, going on whenever we hear, especially um, of those um, mass scale trauma. And of course, whenever it happens in a place where, you know, the, the, the initial belief is always around that, no, it's never going to happen here. So whenever such a tragedy is at such a large scale, intense scale Sorry, occurs. Oh, no worries at all. Oh, no worries at all. And so whenever, you know, large scale occurs, it, it often can shatter a person's belief system. Belief system, uh, it could be about the self, but it can also be around the world as well, such that not feeling safe or secure anymore. So it's all those, those things that could create. Um, everyone is going to feel it differently, of course, but I think what's very important is really around People coming together, um, we know we can use technology, uh, virtual you know, ways to really keeping in touch, to come together, the use of social media. Connection is very much key, and especially when it involves community. And, you know, yes, the tragedy occurs in uh, Nova Scotia, but we're here talking about this national, national mourning here, national grief. Um, um, and so really keeping in touch, coming together, sending our energy, our light and our prayers, our heart and um, anything we are able to do. So everyone knows we all connected. We are one family. We are all together. And often whenever there is this connectedness, then it can lead to what we call this uh, personal growth, this psychological growth, this self-learning. Um, and so there's a tremendous uh, resiliency uh, that, can, uh, that can occur. Now, when something like this happens and you've lost a loved one in such a traumatic way, but have no way of connecting with your other loved ones physically, face to face, is there a way to do that for an individual who's been specifically impacted by this uh, with their family virtually over Zoom, over Skype, something like that? Or is that just a Band-Aid at this point? Um, the thing is that um, we are very fortunate that right now we have technology, a wide range of technology compared to, let's say, 20, 30 years ago. Um, and I think what helps you right now is what do we have control over? Um, what do we have control over? And maximizing our resources and support and any positives that we have. So it is when we focus our time and energy into what we have control over. 
and we are able to maximize our resources, our support, our positives, our protective factors, that's how we are able to bounce back. That's when we are able to talk about resiliency. So now more than ever, it's absolutely using technology in however shape and form, you know, it could be uh, FaceTime, it could be emailing, it could be texting, but we have a lot of video as well, a lot of video apps that people can talk about their loved ones. So you see, certainly before, I think we also wanna be mindful, like, I mean, before, uh, whenever there would be tragedy, sometimes people might not be able to see one another because of distance or because there is an illness going on or variety of ways that people might have, you know, resort to um, to technology. Now, obviously, because of, you know, COVID-19 and so on, that's one of the best ways. So it's not something that we were not doing before. Now, obviously, it is the probably, you know, one of the oldest options and, um, and that's people have found it also helpful. But it is important to do that you're able to see a person through the video and to keep in touch and then also doing this um ideally as, as often as it could be possible can be tremendously helpful ultimately support you see of course we need the human touch however support also goes to quality support so we we when when we are able to feel other people are thinking about us they're sending the love they're sending the heal they're sending the positive energy it can be very healing and helpful we do know whenever there have been other large scale um, a devastation that occurred when people were sending tons of messages and letters and emails and on social media, um, uh, people were directly impacted. They sent us thank you. They said, you know, we could feel your prayers. We could feel your energy. And that was very helpful for us. And that comes to the base of humanity. So that's all. Again, we do need to focus on that right now rather than focusing on what is it that we don't have. I think that's true, and I think that there's something that social media is able to do that does bring together a larger community, certainly Canada as a whole, that's grieving for this tragedy in Nova Scotia. At the same time, I was talking to my dad this morning. My dad lives in Wolfville in Nova Scotia, and he was saying, I am staying away from social media, from the internet, from the news, just because I don't need this piled on top of the already devastating situation that we're in and I know that this is going to affect me negatively mentally if I consume too much of this in the news so he's staying away for it from it for the time being and I think there might be a fine line to walk there between how much media you do consume and how much you can reach out via media to try to comfort those who need it at the moment um, I think that first of all, um, yes, and I think that when we talk about healthy boundaries, you know, healthy boundaries for, with everything, but when it comes to media, it's really around um, healthy boundaries between, yes, I do need to know what's on the news and the media updates for because obviously everything going on, we need to be aware to um, to also then now setting a boundary between engaging in other activities, meaningful and healthy activities. Where we are in this boundary, it's very, very individualized. Um, very individualized. And I think that, you know, the example that you mentioned with your dad is a great one because it entails self-awareness. So really knowing where we are. Now, in terms of that individualized boundary, it really depends also on our tolerance level, on our needs. But in also that there is this 
within individual within the difference within the self as well because every day we might change as well it could be that you know one day uh, 30 minutes might be good another day oh i really am able to i want to for three hours another day could be five minutes so as long as we know what are the needs and what are tolerance level so that we are able to in in that way now um in terms of you know using the um the technology the technology for different means so the technology not always for let's say the media to talk about it but and also to say how are you and what did you do today and you know today i made that recipe do you want me to share with you that recipe um, we know that for example there are some people whom you know they have their friday nights or their saturday afternoon they have the cocktail night together they have the afternoon tea together or you know uh, so, so, so they can use it for different purpose and different function it doesn't have always to be around you know media centered or the news and so on certainly as well there are different apps now available um is your dog okay <laughs> they seem to think somebody's coming to the door nobody's oh, come I to the see. door for about six weeks now but they seem for to still six. think that uh, somebody <laughs> might <laughs> Well, I think he's looking forward to seeing someone. I think that's the other problem too. I think that's it. Any movement <laughs> yeah, in the house, not on the floor. That's exactly where they are. it. He's he's looking for. He's actually he's begging for someone to come after six weeks. He is so really tired of the three of us. Is what it is. It is. So that's what it is. So I think this is exactly what we're talking about. That's ex- your dog is feeling it as well. That's exactly it. Yep. So, 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 but in other apps as well. So people say there are apps for sewing, for cooking, for yoga. For a lot of community social events that people now also can engage in again through the technology as well. Um, And so once again, what do we have control over and um, using it to the purpose and to the function that helps our health and better coping. And when we say health is not only mental health, it's our physical health. Health is health, whether it's mental health, physical health, mind-body connection, health is health. And right now also what's very important is as part of our resiliency, to remind ourselves of self-compassion. Self-compassion is really the relation with the self during difficult times, during painful times, and being mindful of being kind, self-kindness. And whenever there's a self-kindness, it helps to reduce the a tendency to judge ourselves because right now a lot of people judge themselves because they're not able to engage in the activities they were doing before. And as human beings, we have a tendency to you know, to measure our sense of self and identity based on our activities. So when our activities are being shattered, we're not able to, it's like, oh, who am I? I feel guilty. I feel useless. I feel, uh, you know, all of those things. So self-kindness is very important, engaging in new projects, being mindful of our thoughts and and uh, and our emotions so that we can, it helps the o- reduce the over-identification. So the mindfulness, when we are able to identify our thoughts, our emotions helps us again to put them into perspective and to reframe them. So again, the thoughts become more balanced and more helpful. And of course, the sense of humanity that we are not perfect. And um, and um, and uh, if we make mistakes, it's, it's part of, again, the, the human life. So all those are part of self-compassion that now more than ever, we want to practice, practice those skills. I think so. Now, and all of a sudden, you know, you start to think you're doing all right. You're starting to get used to this isolation thing and you're re- reaching out to friends. And of course, we're doing all the game nights on Friday and that kind of thing. And we had an Easter dinner on Zoom with the whole family. 
But uh, then something like this comes along and sort of shatters the norm for a lot of people. Uh, what are some of the long-lasting effects of an event like this? Um, I think that it's very difficult to right now to very much speculate about long-lasting effects. Certainly, it depends on the coping as well now. Um, and everyone has, everyone globally has been impacted. Um, the level of impact, the degree, the extent, the severity of it, of course, is very different. Some people have lost their work, um, their employment, or it could be that they still have their employment, but they're not necessarily sure to, you know, for how long. Or um, some people have felt the financial loss. Some, um, some others, they, they work remotely, but of course, the support for elderly, the child care. So it's different for everyone. But the more we are able to focus on how we are able to engage in healthy and proactive coping every single day right now, and focusing on the resources and the coping to maximize essentially these resources and the coping, the positives and the quality support, it will help us so that whenever, and it's going to become gradual. So, I mean, even when we talk about whenever it's going to be over, what does that even mean? What's the definition of that? Because it's going to be when, you know, some of the restrictions might ease, um, it's going to be, again, a sort of a new normal. And then it's going to be graduate, graduated fashion. But we also know our safety and security will always be there because, again, there's always the, the risk of, we know, um, of the virus. Um, and then after, you know, as we hear about, of course, the um uh, the vaccination, it's really after that, that again, it might be again another routine, another normal and so on. So we also have to look at what we mean by whenever this is all going to be over. But certainly, it's really around how we are coping right now, that will help us to go through this difficult time as healthy as it could be possible, mentally and physically, I'm lumping all those all together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, well, I, I imagine that, you know, it's going to be a long time before we know what the long-reaching effects of the COVID-19 pandemic will be. And, of course, we're studying those as we go along, and uh, we'll figure it out as we go. Unfortunately and sadly, I imagine that the long-term effects of something like a mass shooting are already well-known, and those are those have been studied uh, many times because it's happened so, so many times before. Uh can you talk a little bit about what those long-term effects might be for the people? We, we and- do. So certainly, yes, we, we do know from all the studies, um, uh, you know, that they, they definitely can, um, they're going to carry as well a lot of variety of other, as I mentioned, uh, stressors and um, psychosocial stressors and so on. But certainly we do know it does increase the risk for a variety of mental health problems including depression, anxiety disorders, um, trauma and stressor-related disorders, including post-traumatic stress disorder. So it does increase the risk for a host of, uh, you know, mental health, um, um, mental health uh, problems. Uh, we also know that in terms of protective factors, when the communities are able to come together, uh, their quality support, the variety of help and resources available for people to seek help when they need it, 
but even now, like even now to just regroup and to talk about it. And of course, for people to know that if any symptoms of uh, depression or trauma increase over time to the point that they become disabling and makes it difficult for them to function in their day-to-day life, very important for them to seek a professional help. Uh, we have effective treatment available. So that's become very helpful for the people to know. And also, as we mentioned, the community gathering for them to know that they are not alone and a variety of um, um, self-help resources as well. And again, organizations coming up together, community gatherings. But again, of course, here it will be virtually. Um, this can also lead to tremendous amount of what we call this growth, like self-learning, this psychological personal growth, and very healthy relationships because people also know whenever there are those community traumas going on that how um, everyone came together uh, to provide any help. Even right now, anything, reaching out or um, sometimes, you know, people can bake for, uh, you know, as a way of helping or doing some grocery shopping or just calling to say, how are you doing? Any of those little things, they matter. They're part of the quality support. And so for the people in Nova Scotia today, they can reach out to their friends and their family through uh, all these devices and technologies that can support them. And for the rest of us, we can reach out to them through things like social media and let them know that we're thinking about them and that they remain in our thoughts and that we're, we're sad for the tragedy that they've gone through. Absolutely. And especially for us, the Canadian Psychological Association, uh, for them to know on behalf of CPA, uh, certainly on behalf, you know, you, me, the CPA, the trauma sector, all of us, um, we are with them. We are sending our love, we are sending our heart and um, our prayers. Absolutely. Um, they can call CPA. Um, we, we are there. We are, we all, all of us here, we are together. I think that we are, and uh, I think that's a great note to end this on. Dr. Caddy Kamkar, psychologist in Toronto and the new chair of the traumatic stress section at the CPA, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so very much for having me. Be well and be safe. You too. Thank you.